0: In Southeast AgNet's Ag and Review, for the week ending February the 10th, there's been a lot of discussion recently concerning trade deals and how they affect agriculture. It was announced by the Trump administration that an executive order to withdraw from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, or TPP, had been signed, and plans are to renegotiate the North American Free Trade Agreement, otherwise known as NAFTA. Well, during a press conference at last month's American Farm Bureau Federation Conference, AFBF President Zippy I had these comments concerning trade and the Trump administration's positions.
1: My discussions with the team before the election went this way. We're concerned about Mr. Trump's uh, opinion on trade. That's what we told him, that he seems to be negative on trade and, and agriculture is very much dependent on 30 percent of our income comes from trade. And they said... Trump knows that agriculture is always a winner in trade treaties. He doesn't expect that to change. He wants it to continue that way. He just wants to make sure that all Americans are winners in trade treaties. Now, I can't define what he has in his mind to do with that. But that does tell me that they understand the importance of agriculture in a trade treaty. And I think that with uh, Vice President Pence, with his background and from Indiana, and with a Secretary of Agriculture that I hope and think we'll have, that we'll have people in place that will advise our new president to make sure that trade and agriculture go hand in hand.
0: Well, in other news, there was a record crowd in Asheville, Tennessee, for the recent 2017 Cattle Industry Convention. One of those attendees was Phil Sang, president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. While USMEF deals with trade issues every day, he knows it's a subject that's on everyone's mind right now
2: trade obviously is a a very key component to everything that we do. We're the U.S. Meat Export Federation. I think that we export about 25 percent of our pork and about 15 percent of our beef. I think we're all concerned because anything that would impact trade would have a tremendous impact in in this country. I think if you take a look at global GDP, 55 percent of the world's global GDP comes from trade. So from the bigger picture standpoint, trade looms very, very large. If you look at the United States, well, last year we exported about $130 billion worth of agricultural products, and that turns into about a half a trillion dollars as far as the U.S. economy, as far as what that means to the U.S. economy. So agricultural trade, the meat trade, the beef trade, very critical to this economy and to the livelihood of every producer. And so all I would say is, protectionism that is the enemy of the producer and every producer really has a responsibility to see wherever they see protectionism to try to eradicate it for individual producers out there what do you want them to know about the work it is you all do and 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 overseas in other countries well i think one of the things that we're always doing is trying to extol what what is the u.s beef industry and what 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 how we produce our product where it's produced why it's high quality there's always a story to be told uh, but people, once they come to know our product, uh, they really, really value our product. And so I think the, really the message is, is it's a very competitive market. We have a competition from Australia. We have competition from Mexico, from, from Canada, from you going down the line. There's a lot of people who want to compete for these markets. But, but uh, the U.S. beef industry has done a wonderful job. And just referencing earlier about Japan, if I go back, I've been going to Japan for 40 years now, But if I go back and take a look, I think the U.S. beef industry is one of the most successful marketing stories in Japan for any foreign products in that market. The United States beef industry 30 years, 40 years ago went in there. We identified a good distributor network, just like you would have distributors for Komatsu or Caterpillar in this country or Toyota or, or GM we promoted our, our products in that market, and today, you know, when I say we're, we're at, at $6.5, $7 billion worth of beef exports, it's because of all the work, the investment, tailoring products to the market, all these types of things that it's been successful. So the beef industry has a tremendous amount of, um, should have a tremendous amount of satisfaction that marketing works in this international marketplace is very beneficial. Everything that we export is exported for a higher price than we would sell it in the United
3: States. That's the
2: difference of the export market.
0: Well, Tyron Spearman has this week's peanut price update.
3: The national posted price on peanuts continues the same this week, $424.51 per ton for runner-type peanuts. There has been an update on the PLC payment. The average price farmers receive for peanuts is $370 per ton for the month of December, and that means that farmers on the average receiving that would mean about a $150 PLC payment coming up in October. But you still have several more months to go to average in for the year. Contracts in the southeast still holding at $475 in isolated cases. Virginias are at $500 per ton for next season. These contracts have been dropping to about 450 because of the Distance from the shelling plant, so you'll be receiving $450 per ton. There are also some flex contracts out there for the purpose of 2016. If a farmer has peanuts in the loan that have not been committed, they're now up to $481 per ton. If you have peanuts you'd like to sell, another sheller has 475 and uh, they can go up as high as 521 on the flex contract or the mini max contract. The contract's holding firm for, coming up this next year, 450 to $475 per ton, $25 per premium for seed production, and even in some cases, $25 premium or $50 premium for producing high oleic peanuts. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet.
0: And to wrap up this week's podcast, Everett Grinder talks about how non-farm plants will help bees.
4: You know, you don't read nor hear as much about the decline of the honeybee as you did last year. Well, much has happened that changed the volume of information. CCD is still out there, and people are searching for more answers to the problem. But one of the most talked about problems has little to do with farm chemicals. It's a new study of non-farm pollinator plants. Less than half the non-farm crops are being grown today that we had in 2010. Non-farm pollinator crops? Well, that's decorative plants and blooming shrubs that we used to plant around the house. Why are those plants vanishing? Well, they serve more pollinator creatures than you'd think. Bees, butterflies, hummingbirds, even bats and other insects. What's needed is more blooming shrubbery, not field plants. But it isn't likely to happen, and that's our review for today. Everett Griner Southeast Agnet.
0: Those reports and more can be heard on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agna